What's up, everyone? It's Matthew here at Midland Pictures. Today we're hanging out with Alex Carter. We are finally going to be talking about that spec commercial that we shot. If you haven't seen it already, there are two other videos uh, on the channel. One where we're doing, we're doing some camera tests uh, with some of the equipment that we have, the Kessler crane that we used on the shoot, and uh, some filters, working with the hazer, things like that. So check out that video. And then there's a second video with all the BTS of the actual shoot we did for the spec commercial. So if you wanna kinda of get a context of what this video is gonna be about, pause right now, go check out those videos. I'll link to them in the description below so you can get up to speed and then join us for this conversation about the finished video and what it was like to film it, uh, Alex's creative process, and everything that you wanna know about what it took to make this video. So what we're going to do today is Alex is going to introduce himself and then we're going to show you the finished spec commercial right away. Just a reminder, this was a Gillette spec spot that we did that was Christmas themed. So you'll be able to watch the entire spec. We did have to take the score that we used out. We used uh, Meldy Kaliki Maka by Bing Crosby, an all-time Christmas favorite, of course. But this version is not going to have that music in there. So it may feel a little bit strange without the music. So let's get started. You guys have seen Alex on the channel, but we haven't really talked to Alex all that much. He does have his own YouTube channel. We'll go ahead and link to that above and in the description below so you can check it out. Congratulations to Alex. He just hit 200 subscribers on his channel. Ooh. The first 100, you know, they always say is the hardest. Like, yeah. You know, for me, I was 50, 50 subscribers for like, two, under 50 subscribers for like two years. I remember 39, yeah. like checking, the refreshing. Can we get past, can we hit 40? <laughs> it's hard. It, it, yeah, it just doesn't really move. You, you almost have to try to ignore it, but it's hard to. Yeah, it's hard to ignore when it's constantly in the back of your head. But Alex does a lot of street photography. He has an XT3, a Fuji XT3, correct? X, yeah, X Pro 3. X yep. Pro 3. Yep. Sorry, a Fuji X Pro 3, and he does some street photography. He just up, uh, uploaded a really great video about a street photographer, uh, Saul. Saul Lighter. Saul Lighter. Yeah. That's right. I just watched the documentary that he recommended in that video definitely check it out and check out his channel. Just a quick intro of you, Alex. Uh, let me know sort of name, rank, and serial number. Uh, you're not uh, a native to Omaha like me. Yeah. Just give me a little bit of a background before we dive in and show everybody the commercial. So I guess I'm Alex. I am from Nashville originally. Um, moved to Omaha about a year and a half ago and met two of the guys in the room right now. Cody's here, by the way. He's DPing and filming this thing with our three yeah. camera setup. Yes. You saw him in some of the camera test video. He's been kind of a regular on the channel. And I have an interview with Cody from like two or three years ago. So check that out as well. Anyway. Cody's like, don't check that out. <laughs> <laughs> don't you dare check that out. Um, yeah, so moved to Omaha um, about a year and a half ago and then went through COVID and discovered that February suck. Um, <laughs> And yeah, that's that's about all you need to know about me. No. <laughs> You've been really cold. Yeah, I've, just, I've been pretty cold and now I'm starting to get warmer. So, <laughs> All right, so let's just get to the commercial. When we come back, we'll talk about Alex's creative process, how we got the idea, and the process that we all went through producing and post-producing the short, and what we did with it once it was completed, and what maybe is going to happen with it moving forward. Cue the clip, Jamie. <laughs> Roll it. a little stressful, so Tranquil Home Style Director Susie Lamotta has some simple ways to help you stress less this Christmas Day. I love that. And let's just get started with something that is very stressful. All right, so how what's the what's the cringe factor for you having just watched that again? I mean, I don't. It's not a cringe factor. It's just like I'm happy we made it. Um, there's we just watched it. I was like, man, you cut out the entire first part of it, and it would be better for it. Um, and so you're saying you could cut out the opening with the exterior of the house. Cut the exterior. Cut the establishing. Cut the big shot. Like as soon as we lost production design, we probably should have cut that anyways. Yeah. Um, I think we were just way too excited about the jib. 
yeah. move. Which is fine. Emotion over logic. Yeah, for sure. Um, but for the piece, it would have... We were trying to fit puzzle pieces together that didn't go. And I think the spec itself was... I don't know. I don't want to like jump in on no, where, you're good. where you're going. But like when I had the idea for the, the spec, it was with a, a shaving company where the razor really would take away a beard. Yeah. And as I committed to the idea... So there's any lesson here. It's <laughs> don't commit to an idea and then sell yourself on the emotions of that idea. And then don't get too attached to the emotions of a project. I mean, this is what everybody tells you, right? Like, oh, you're going to shoot a film and there's going to be this shot that you remember. And you, you remember the day and it's vivid. And you had to go through absolute hell to get that shot. And you finally get that shot and then it goes to the edit. It doesn't fit, but you force it. That We kind of did that throughout this project. We did that with concept. We did that one production design bowed out at the last minute. There's an aspect of sometimes you have to force it through. And I think in this case, we cared less about the final product and more about the process of getting there mm -hmm. and testing our, our working relationships. Yeah. But when you have this, this concept, you have to make sure you're serving the idea and you're not serving your, your emotions. And I think we we served our emotions a little bit more in the final product than we should have. That crane shot took us four hours to get, right? I think mostly it was the setup. Yeah, the setup and just not because get, remember how hard it was to get that yeah. thing smooth. And not setting up the crane and the camera, setting up the room yeah. for a big wide shot. To get it and like the, the shot would be amazing, but the production design falls flat, the image is flat. Um, we could have done a better job lighting it, but we also could have done a better job with planning the geography of the move. And then you get deeper, and we didn't have the proper production design for yeah. what the, the shoot called for. You get to the edit, and you see that. It's probably the better. Like, you can still tell that. It's not as whatever, but you can still tell that story without the crane. Like, the punchline of the, the piece is cutting to the OT, OTS, and it's Santa. And if we just start with him fumbling out of the shower and then cut to that, you still get enough of the punchline to where it's funny. In the crane shot, though, it, like we should have got to the edit and been like, oh, that doesn't look good. And you kill your darling, I guess. Is, yeah. And we, we couldn't do that. Um, we didn't choose to, at least on the first run through the edit, well, which is fine because you, you get something and you learn. But Well, with those the opening shots, specifically the second shot, the crane shot panning across the whole room, we're really trying to communicate a lot of information about our given circumstances in that shot. Right. I think in you watching it this, this last time just now, you see that the commercial could still be effective if you just come in on Santa stepping out of the shower and he's shaving his beard away. We, we can assume, even though it's not communicated to us potentially, that it's the day after Christmas and his job is done and it's time to move on to the next thing. Uh, yeah, you, we did communicate a lot of information, but then rewatching it now that we're a little bit removed from the project, I think that a lot of people aren't looking for that information anyways Yeah. in that first shot. So it's kind of, it's an unnecessary, um, an unnecessary exercise for 15 seconds of the video. Be, yeah, and I think I think it gives it gives your audience a little bit of work to do yeah. to like process that stuff. And I don't hate the idea of making the audience work, but in a in a TV commercial, you don't want you don't want to make the audience have to have to put in too much effort because you're trying to sell an idea. Well, and I think too sometimes you can have that work happen it's building, you know, you're getting an image, you're getting a little bit of sound design, you know, things that you're putting putting together throughout. But if you hit your audience with, you know, images that are supposed to communicate very specific things, a suitcase and a Hawaiian shirt, a red Santa suit on a chair, yeah. plane tickets on a, on a TV, on an end table, a calendar with, you know, a bunch of days crossed off with a circle on it um, to indicate like Santa's Santa's finally hit the 25th. Christmas Eve is over. That's, and that's and what's so funny about vacation. it, right? It's like, oh, you've got this. Yeah. Like, okay. And, but I, I do think you could... I don't know how. One, the one aspect of production design that I'm actually proud of, and for those of you who don't know, we had a production designer lined up, and they kind of stepped out at the last minute. Which happens on these things, and then... And this is a, you know, it's a spec commercial, so yeah. everybody is volunteering on this. 
you know, I think we covered meals, and uh, for people who traveled from out of town, we reimbursed for gas. gas. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you're asking people to contribute an entire day of their life yeah. to work for free, and with a production designer, not to necessarily excuse that they stepped out sort of last minute. It's a lot, of, a lot of effort. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, you're talking about, and this is what we ended up having to do, you're talking about getting all of the decorations, the Christmas yeah. tree, the suit, the shirts, the, you know, everything that you see, see in that house was not just there. It wasn't part of that house. We had to source all that stuff from my house, your house. And if you look at the other videos that we filmed, <laughs> yeah. Alex wanted to go to Target, but we made him go to Walmart. <laughs> Had to go to Walmart. That's another thing, though, is we tried to adapt the spot to a company that the spot, like, the original concept was for a safety razor company. And, and actually talk, I, I, you know, part of what I want to cover in this is the genesis of this idea. Yeah. Um, and, and, and talk us through a little bit about where the idea came from. Yeah, so the, the original idea was I was in a meeting. Um, I used to do work as a creative director for a, a Nashville company, and I was in a meeting with um, the owner of that company and the person who was handling marketing. And I, they're like, we need a way to communicate our razor shaving. And so the idea was we need a guy with a big beard to shave. And obviously the first thing that comes into my head, big beard is like, oh, Santa. But you're also working to create something that at the time that was a smaller company. So I was like, okay, we want something recognizable and like America, in general, you can kind of approach these like mythical topics and tear them down a little bit, and that's that's pretty funny. So I was like, oh, the irony of like Santa shaving is it's pretty good, right? And then you add in like it's Christmas Day, and he's just like everybody's celebrating, whatever. He's like, I'm done with this. Yeah. I'm I'm ready to get out of here and shave his beard, and mosey on over to Hawaii. That's and right. um, so that was the original concept. And I was like, that's great. And the safety razor will shave through a beard. And maybe that's not the full intention. Like, I don't recommend trying to shave a giant beard with a safety razor, but it'll do it. It's striking enough that you'll catch somebody's attention pretty pretty immediately with that. Um, and then you can hit them with marketing material or whatever. Right. Because um, that's all we're trying to do is catch their attention. So when that fell through, uh, external circumstances, COVID, et cetera, I had this idea and I was like, oh, this is a pretty good concept. Um, and we tried to adapt it to... You don't shave your beard with a regular razor. Right. And we tried to adapt it to that. And we were like, okay, we'll use a Gillette trimmer. And then da, da, da. And, and we had a razor on set. We had a Gillette razor blade yeah. on set. Um, but because we had talked, you know, like you said, you wouldn't use a razor like that to just shave a full and beard. Yeah, you would I think, knock it down I think we first. all knew that. And it's just, we, we got, the three of us have, had wanted to work together on a project for a long time. Um, where we were leading the project. And I mean, that's the, where the direction we want to go. Um, so this was kind of just like, we were fed up with not getting a chance to work together. And I think we forced a lot of things through that shouldn't have been forced through. And I think that hurts the final product a bit. I think we also knew though that that was at least I felt that that was possible. You know, yeah. maybe we didn't spend enough time in pre-production or at the script level, or really thinking through how a shot might communicate yeah. visual information to be very and clear don't to don't the get audience. us wrong. We had all of the shots planned yeah, out yeah, ahead yeah. of time, and I think that was the point. There, that's like you started the video and you said, "Is there anything that's cringe? Anything that you like regret about it?" And there's nothing I regret because it went as well as it could have gone. Yeah, uh, the intention was never to make a piece that we sell to Gillette for. A million dollars you know the p intention we knew that is a always a possibility because there's just this weird sometimes weird things happen in the world and contacting gillette was part of the plan but yeah we contacting like, was a part of the plan but that we, wasn't the, the like yeah. this is the end goal yeah the end goal was we get a piece under our belt and we always talk about how on larger projects specifically narrative films your crews, at least the above the line, have worked together for 10, 15, 20 years. And I think that's where we would like to go, um, but you have to you have to begin that process. 15 years has to start somewhere, so. And also, you know, between Cody, you, me, DJ, um, we have a lot of conversations. We drink a lot of coffee at coffee shops <laughs> when you could go to coffee shops or you know FaceTime or whatever we do yeah. during COVID to communicate with each other what we want to do as creatives, whether it's short films, feature films, documentary, 
Um, we did get a taste of working together on the Baldwin Toys documentary. Alex was a key grip on that, Cody DP'd. It was my uh, direct cam op and all that. So we got a taste of working together, but the difference was that it was mostly my planning and sort of my vision and you guys weren't entirely involved in that process. Yeah. But with this, we really knew that we wanted to work together. And although similar to me with Baldwin, this was your vision, we at least took time to do some camera tests. Right. We talked through the story. We actually fleshed things out in that first camera test. Again, check the video in the link below where we you know, set up the shot in, in the garage and got all on the same page with, yeah. here's the tree, it's gonna pan past this. Well, what if we put this here? So so there was some fine tuning that happened in that sure. process that I think was really valuable. And the other thing that was valuable was we had a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. like he's like Alex is saying, we're trying to find uh, a family of filmmakers uh, to form, you know, a band, a tribe, whatever you want to call it, of people that, you know, you start understanding what someone's saying without them having to say you it. You develop a shorthand. S shorthand. And, yeah. The energy is there. Um, the vibe is good. We, you know, we hang out on a personal level, whether it's, you know, stuff we're hoping to do with our YouTube channels, when you could go to movies, going to see a movie and talking about it, all of that stuff. Yeah. So we were really excited about that. And again, I think, uh, you know, putting, uh, what is the expression? Put your money where your mouth is. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. instead of sitting there talking all the time about what people are doing or even being constructively critical of what other creators in Omaha are doing, whether it's a short film, a spec commercial, right. for us not to just, you know, sit back and, and armchair expert anything other people are doing, but to actually go out and make it ourselves and see how well we could do. I think it's a weird place because like, there's probably people watching that are like, oh, well you should like just, there's different routes that people have to take in different times. And like right now we're in this weird period where we're in, coming out of the, out of the, peak of the COVID-19 pandemic and we're at this like I'm new to the area um, relatively speaking um, so like all of everything that's developed has been recent and we're trying to get our feet under us to go to move forward with the eventual goal like we had a a film project a narrative film project in the works last we, year literally we were meeting about it I think production was scheduled to start like the week <laughs> that everything got canceled. Yep, the week. And so like that was another opportunity for us to work together. And I think through that, Matt mentioned like the Baldwin thing and there have been little other things. I think we all know like we respect each other's working abilities and whatnot. And we wanted to move forward and kind of continue to water that. And, and we really want to make content that requires a lot of the processes for development pre-production, prep, production, post-production. You know, Alex with his YouTube channel and me with mine, you know, we definitely talk about creating content together and there's something that's a little bit more loose with that. It can be, um, you know, something that's done. You know, YouTube has its own sort of language and process and, and, and the way that you, you know, make your content for that, for that uh, medium, you know, to have a bunch of people come together and collaborate and take a script and talk it through, come up with, you know, a plan for lighting, how do we budget for this? What can we beg, borrow and steal? Because, you know, we don't have, you know, at least at this point, we don't have investors. We're not doing Kickstarters right. for this stuff. But we also, you know, want to take something like the short film we're working on right now together and submit it to festivals. We want to make something that is really good yeah. and that we're all proud of. And especially Alex, aspiring writer and director, uh, especially for features. Um, to be able to build uh, your body of work t to that end. Yeah, and I think you. it's easy to look at the final product and just, oh, that's really good. But a lot of these projects where there is a very good final product, it's because of the working relationships. And at the, at the end of the day, like you can have the best concept in the world, but if you don't have a team that can execute that concept, then it's it's worthless, at least in our world. And I think that developing that is well worth the time investment and the resource investment. So you can't really look at the final result and be upset. Yeah. Yeah, so, so this uh, spec commercial has not really been released wide. We, uh, we contacted someone at Gillette through LinkedIn, a uh, senior brand manager, and uh, made a connection, but we didn't get any traction with them watching the spec and giving us any feedback or any interest in it. 
Um, you know, we've all shown it to some of our contemporaries, uh, friends, family, things like that, but it hasn't been put out wide. It, you know, we didn't like have a <laughs> watch party. We haven't put it on YouTube. Yeah. We haven't done anything like that. So I'm curious for you, especially having just watched it, how does it feel knowing that what you made is out there and being watched by a lot of people? I don't think I've ever been really romantic about anything I make. Like I, I talk to people all the time. Like I've the first like four years of photography were on two hard drives that crashed and I threw them away. I didn't even like think about it. I just I'm not very once I do work it's done and I don't I don't like putting the energy towards thinking about it too much because it's just more energy than I have. Well, mostly what I'm getting at is I think sometimes what gets in the way of a lot of people to create things uh, and not saying that this is you by any means is we have a fear that the once fear we put it out, it out yeah. there, we are opening ourselves to criticism, trolls, feedback, whatever it is. Yeah. And that vulnerability can be very uncomfortable. And especially when the vision in our mind, when we hatched this plan or came up with this idea, may not necessarily align with the final product and your own uh, subjectivity with it could maybe put you in a place where you don't show it to anybody and it's kept hidden. Yeah. And right. I think that that's a, a refrain that we see a lot, especially me in the YouTube community. I think if people know it or they don't, sometimes they're not making things because maybe they talk a big game, but they never have to actually back it up by making yeah. something and put it out there. So I'm curious, you know, and you say not a lot of people, but you know, on the channel between both of ours, you know, there's potentially 8,000 people that could watch yeah. this. And that's, that's a lot of people watching something that you made and judging it in a sense. Yeah. And I mean, I think the biggest thing is just, you find, I don't really care what other how other people see it if it's if they see it as good or bad there's certain positives i can take away from it that's not like maybe this conversation would be a little different if it wasn't like a spec for a brand yeah like if it's like oh here's this script that i wrote like i make stuff all the time like i write stuff all the time and then just throw it away i'll take photos all the time and like thousands and thousands and thousands of them just end up either in my trash bin or like in the outside realms of Lightroom or something like. So I, I don't really think too much about that because um, with me it's just, I'm trying to get to a point where I'm happy with my the work that I make. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's ever gonna be something that happens. So with a spec commercial, it's a little different. Yeah. To answer your question though, like I, I don't really, if people th like think it's cool and awesome and I hope they get something out of it, but it's like, uh, it's just a, I don't know. It, the experience checked the box it needed to for me. Yeah. So, well, and I think I bring the next one. I think I bring it up too because I have to imagine a lot of people watching do have that fear that I'm yeah. going to make this thing. I'm going to finally work up the the courage, the commitment, the, or courage to, to make that, it. To that, I would just if you, we talked to you about like you said the cringe factor at the beginning. Yeah. To those people, like the only advice that I would have is don't. Should I look at this camera? <laughs> sure. Do yeah. some serious. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, but don't, um, don't, if you're creating stuff that's true to yourself, and like that's easy to say, right? But it's yeah. it's pretty hard to be true to yourself, but put effort into that. I think that's a noble thing to, to strive for. And if you create something that's true to yourself um, and you don't really compromise for like, oh, well, this would look better because I think this person likes this look. And if you just create something that's from yourself, then it's not gonna age poorly because no matter what, you're always gonna look back on it and say that was me at the time. When we get into things and we're looking at stuff and you cringe, it's because you were typically because you were trying to meet a trend or because you were trying to satisfy something other than your internal urge. And that leads you to create something that's inauthentic. Yeah. And when you get away from authenticity, that's when you start to flail. Yeah. And you're always going to look back on that stuff and think it was awful. When I come at content, whether it's a screenplay, a YouTube video, anything I make, sometimes I, you know, I'm thinking actively, I'm going to make the video that I want to see, yeah. you know, that's missing out there, you yeah. know, that I feel like, you know, if I'm drawn to the theater or, the, or YouTube or whatever, you know, I'm going to make something that I wish they were doing in commercials. You have an idea and and maybe part of you thinks that it kind of fills a void. And, and, and a lot of times I think that void is <laughs> reflected back at us by it being our voice. Like our voice needs to be out there. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, maybe that's a little corny or something. But Here's, here's um, something, like, do you ever, 
do you ever worry about, I, I talked, to, I asked a buddy of mine this the other day about putting stuff into the world. It's kind of uh, like, it takes a bit of ego, doesn't it? <laughs> like, do you ever, do you ever think about that? Um, Absolutely. Like, who am I to put this? Yeah. Like, who am I to say this or who am I to do this? Yeah. And I mean, I mean, it, again, when you're working at a small level, like it's something, but yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird. It is. And sometimes I, you know, I wonder, does it come from some feeling of wanting to return the favor. I mean, we've been educated, entertained, enlightened so much through content, whether it's, you know, film, television, YouTube, whatever it is, commercials. Does receiving that from others make you feel that if you're capable of doing the same thing, that part of you should or it's a responsibility it's like an to share it to yeah. return the favor almost. And I and I wish it was completely altruistic. I mean, we all have multiple um, motivations for doing these things, whether it's personal enrichment, uh, and that could be materially, or it could be you're just fulfilled by creating something and putting yeah. it out there for the world to see, even if only 32 people watch it or yeah. consume it. And, you know, we're getting off into the weeds here a little bit as far as, you know, like what really motivates us to create things. Um, it's, it's an important thing to talk about, and especially pertaining to this project. But, you know, what I liked about this was was that you had a strong emotional connection to your vision. You knew exactly how you wanted to do it. You were open to uh, suggestions, changes, uh, input, you know, a, a very good collaborator. Let's go through some of the things that we ran into on the production yeah. side. We already talked about production design, uh, uh, us losing our production designer late in the process and rallying to get all the materials that we wanted. Tell me a little bit about any other challenges you yeah. had on set. Well, not uh, not having a production designer or um, somebody who's like working makeup or yeah. I guess dressing the talent. Luckily, one, Gary was a super easygoing guy. Gary and, played Santa. And then two, it, it's not a role that requires a lot of, it's like, hey, get out of the shower. Okay, like do that, you know. So, like from that standpoint, it's not it's not bad. Um, there, I mean, there were some instances where he definitely like put the <laughs> put the Tony <laughs> yeah. like the yeah took it Broadway, but we 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 pulled out of that, and um, I think he did a fantastic job, and he was super easygoing. I mean, it's never fun to make somebody get out of the the shower 460 times but <laughs> yeah. we did that to him and he did it pretty well and the the, the difficult thing with the, that was just essentially timing when you do a uh, not it doesn't seem complicated when you yeah. watch it but when you're doing we it did have a, we did have a lot of timing to to get lined up and the other issue is, and I, this is the point i was getting to before i just rambled but you i was ha like handling like oh get the mirror fog da 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 da, da. right and on any production that was of more size, that, that's unacceptable. Um, if you're trying to direct, if you're actually trying to direct properly, you don't, you shouldn't be worried about fogging a mirror. No. Um, so that was something that, I don't know, that, that, that was an, an issue, I think. And that's the beauty of having a, a crew that's appropriate for whatever your production is, yeah. um, that those people are there, the above the line crew and below the line crew, to serve your vision yeah. and allow you to stay connected to getting your vision out there, whether it's watching playback at Video Village, talking to your actors, rehearsing, working with your cinematographer to make sure that you know everything's composed and lit the way that you want to. Yeah. You're always managing that you know, your vision being translated using the tools uh, that we have for filmmaking versus you having to step down into other above the line or below the line crew positions yeah. to spin all those plates. Uh, another thing that I think could have been a little better is after we shot everything, and I'm, I'm happy with the lighting in the bathroom, but Cody and I found like 36 better ways to light a bathroom, I think after after everything was, was said and done. And then also, when you're working with a on location and you're not working on a soundstage, right? You don't have like we're on a soundstage. It's hey, pull this wall. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we the can light can be as big everything or small as you want. You can get the levels wherever you need to because you don't have a ceiling, right? And you can so it's a lot easier. Um, but then again, like if you don't have a soundstage, you don't have a soundstage. You need to figure out how to shoot in a. And on location. And the big thing was in the bathroom, I think you wanted to shoot on a longer lens. Mm -hmm. 
like an 85. Yeah. Uh, and that's like Santa's single in the mirror. Actually, almost like a double, actually, because yeah. it's a reflection yeah. on Santa. And we had this conversation we had this, on like, set. We had this beautiful shot, too, of like <laughs> Santa shaving. And that was one instance where we like loved the shot, yeah. but it just didn't fit. Yeah. So we cut it. Wish we would have done that with the entire front. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but we had to be on, what, we were we on kind of like a 35 in there, 24? Yeah. Maybe a 24. 24. So we were shooting on the C300 Mark II that is filming this right now, Super 35 sensor, 24 millimeter lens. You're in a bathroom that is yeah. like four feet wide, and Cody and I are like hovering, like standing on a toilet. I uh, think I think we had to take the door <laughs> off of the bathroom we had to take too the because door the door off. would only open internally. And, yep. So you you know you can do as much planning as you want in pre-production, doing camera tests and all that. Right. Once you actually get to a location that isn't as flexible as a soundstage, you're going to be dealt adversity that and you have to deal I just, with. I want to, like, I know a lot of people are probably watching this that are, like, interested in starting their production company or whatever. There is a reason that at the highest level in places like L.A. and New York and Chicago, uh, there's a reason that they have large crews. Mm -hmm. And it's not because they're trying to be flashy or whatever. It's because you you need somebody, having somebody to, like, the smaller roles that people don't think about, like a, a script supervisor. Yeah. Oh, did you get this shot? Hey, this the camera, the, your line is here. Yeah. Or, this is where the you need to be. Or, yeah, exactly. That stuff is, you might not notice it when you're shooting. And you shouldn't. If you're the director, you shouldn't have to worry about, Oh, am I am I shooting on the right side of like you shouldn't have to worry about any of that. Those positions are so valuable though, because those people are able to handle the little things, right. and it just, it leads to a better product. And when you're working at a when you when you get to a certain level, the only way to improve is to improve upon those relationships and get better people, because like a lot of the issues we have, if if you have the right person plugged in, it's it's a non. Right. Not in conversation start. It's a non-starter because it's just you have a good production designer. That's done. And they're in there before and they get everything. You have a good location scout. It's done. You know. And that's I just want to harp on that. Like, <laughs> never take those positions for granted. Like, well, and just em embracing that a uh, film film is a collaborative art form. Yeah, it is not an artist in a singular. Every person that you look up to that you think, oh, wow, that person made this film all by themselves, like a lot of the auteur, um, I think they'd be the first to tell you that it's all of their team. It's all of their team. Well, and then, you know, a lot a lot of their above the line crew, you know, they are people that they've worked with for the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 35 years. 50 years. And, like, yeah. Marty has people that he's worked <laughs> yeah. with for 50 years. And it's like... and. Bringing it full circle, Cody, Alex, me, DJ, even Cadet, some of the other filmmakers that were involved in this, we really are trying to figure out who our family is. And as you know, I've known and worked with Cody for a long time. Alex is new to Omaha. Um, we are in all the things that we do, both with our clients or with you know you with some of the people that you film with. And Cody, you're, you serve on crews with other directors, producers, production companies. We are trying to see who in those groups are going to sort of become a part of the family of filmmakers that we're building so that we can go out and create uh, our original content. Again, whether it's a YouTube video or a short film, a feature film, a documentary, whatever it is. And we have a lot of things that we're trying to work out. So it's a slow process to build that, but I think it's important to have yeah. those relationships because when you trust each other, when the proverbial shit hits the fan yeah. and you got to take a door off DJ's right there no problem takes it, takes it off uh, I mean that was like, like it was a it was a day shoot that was like one of the least stressful shoots I've ever been on just because everybody is very much like we're doing this like you get personalities in there you have nobody who's like stirring the pot and it's yeah. just it makes things easier well and for me you know this even goes back to the Baldwin Toys documentary you know, working with you guys and Cody knowing how I like a certain focus move to happen or m the framing I like, um, you know, you chipping in and asking some questions during the interview and giving feedback on the lighting to Cody and Kyle. Um, I came off that shoot just in like a state of total euphoria. Yeah. I mean, I was like, this is how it's supposed to be for these types of films, these sort of short documentary, right. uh, five, six person crew. 
uh, you guys just, everybody was in sync with each other and it felt like nobody's ego was yeah. getting in the way. And that's, no, that's no the, you should do it this way or that light's not really good people, enough. People like separate these two things and they'll romanticize this idea of the filmmaking happening. Mm -hmm. and like, oh, I wanna, I'm, I'm a part of the filmmaking. I'm a part of like true, it's like any tool, right? Yeah. If you use the tool well enough, then you don't realize that you're using the tool. Right. It should be it should be an extension of your body. The whole the entire purpose of filmmaking is to share share human emotion like the, through visuals and sound. You're, you're sharing ideas through visuals and through audio. And like if if you're doing it effectively, then the only focus should be okay. What's what is the idea that I'm trying to share? Right. And Everything else is just a means to getting there, and that should be, it should feel effortless. It's, it never will. There's always going to be things that come up. I've never been on set where there's not some kind of sure. stressor. Well, and, and, and even on, on, on this shoot, and it, I didn't experience it on the Gillette spec commercial as much because I wasn't, I wasn't directing it. I wasn't the person that was, you know, all the, the vision was flowing from. But I've talked about this a lot on the channel, the creative flow or the flow state. Yeah. And that's what I experienced on the Baldwin Toys doc. I felt like for 10 hours, you guys were doing such an amazing job of helping me get, you know, get the shots I wanted, work with the equipment, interview uh, Steve, that I was just in this flow state the whole time. And 10 hours went by like Quickly, that. Quickly, yeah. And I experienced that in a lot of my editing. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I was curious if that's something that you've had any moments of during the Gillette spec where you felt like you were in the flow state. And if you weren't or got pulled out, like you said, steaming the mirrors, um, what that experience was like for you. Yeah, I mean, like the mirrors thing was the only thing. <laughs> and it's not like, oh, I'm too good to be steaming. It's not. It's But my responsibility at that moment is to the, the project, and it's to getting the performance that needs to be gotten. And when you're steaming a mirror, it's like, oh. The part that I liked most that I felt like you were in a flow state and if we'll, we'll probably play the BTS while I'm talking about this, but there's a wide shot where I'm operating the camera and you're at the video village just watching watching uh, the image and we're, you know, we did this move 30 or so times yeah. and you're you know, <laughs> you're like conducting it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like there was something about that when I was playing it back for the BTS when I put together the YouTube video that I was like, I really dialed yeah. into you. Well, that's that's how it should be, I think. Yeah. When you're, and I do that with dialogue too. Sometimes, like yeah. I'll, I'll be listening to, and I'm just like, right, okay, yeah, okay, right. that beat, that beat, da, da, da. and that's what that shot and was. It, it it was yeah, it was a it had a a pulse, it had a rhythm, it had a life to it that you had to be in in the flow yeah of. exactly and i think yeah um that and that was a fun shot to get for sure yeah. it was it was a pretty complex shot and i think again i just wish it would have been when you're you are limited and i'm not trying to make an excuse as to why it's not like the best shot in the world but it's you are like we had that location not because we wanted that location but because that's one we could that get. was the fourth location we went to and that was the only one where people were okay with having us in their house because of all COVID. day with covid yeah. you know we of course wore masks and social distance as best we could but and you take all the precautions in the world but that's just the state of the world we live in and i especially we talk about it a lot like things have been different for the past year mm -hmm. and all of us work like production is our is our full-time gig yeah we don't have something else and you feel it financially and you feel it just creatively you're like oh i can't um can't well, do this or can't do that or we have a oh this is a great documentary idea what's stopping us well you can't be in the room with multiple people that you don't know well and even like you know, purchasing items for production design and keeping the, trying to keep the tags on or not get it messed up so that it could be returned because, right. you know, for some of us, you know, the, the amount that you have to spend on getting some of that stuff, it's a lot. And, right. and, and it, there's just not that kind of room in, in people's finances to allow for multi-hundred dollar purchases. That are just being that are, given to Goodwill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually another interesting obstacle in my involvement on this spec and actually getting it done sooner and this is something that holds true for a lot of the content that we're trying to create we're all having to navigate our day jobs in a sense yeah. and for you that's working crew 
uh, and you're fortunate that you're working in your industry, but you're working uh, on crew positions for local productions. Cody, of course, uh, DPing, first ACing, uh, running with camera teams locally as well, and doing a lot of color work. And then me, client work. You, you know, we would we would talk during that process as I managed your expectations because you know, as the as the person with the vision, you're like, let's go, let's go, let's yeah. go. I want to get this. I want to get it in the bag. I want to use it as a tool to help me get level to up, take the next, get step, to the yeah. next step. But then I'm there going, I am going to 100% help you. Yeah. I have got to answer to, though, any paid work. And if I have paid work that's going on, whether it's two or three days in the edit bay, whatever it is, right. I'm going to have to. And like, that's, that's the funny thing, too, is like, I have a job that comes up on the shoot day, or Cody has a job that comes up on the shoot day. As things are with, with the spec commercial, it's, okay, well, reschedule. Yeah. Like, you can't, like especially during a time when there isn't as like days are fewer and far between um you just have to take take what you, where, when it comes i think that's a thing that that's tough to work at when you're at this level and that's a reason why we're trying to develop these um one level up the work and we just want some autonomy in the way we can operate yeah where we, we're not beholden to um, so and so, yeah, having uh, having giving us a day rate, or, or, yeah, right, or uh, getting this editing project done when it's might not be the thing that you are very passionate about. Yeah, or, and th and that's not to not to be ungrateful for the work, absolutely, and, and the way yeah. that it earns us a living. You know, we really enjoy. I think know, we're we're all fortunate enough to be working at least in the industry that we want to be right. in, but there's always there's layers to everything. <laughs> like, but ultimately, if we had our way, you know, you would have, you know, your your finance is covered as far as bills and, you know, for me, college tuition for my kids, like I'm not worried about that yeah. all the time, you know, things like that. You would have a lot of that covered and, you know, it's probably unrealistic to think that you ever really have all that covered, but. And that's that's where the, the great create, and that's the irony of the business, right? You have to create with those restrictions right. to be able to create without them. Everybody had to start with that no budget, whatever. And then you're able to, to use. I wonder too sometimes if you get to that, you know, desired future state where, you know, money's a little more secure and you can do it, yeah. that you actually miss when you had time limitations and obstacles and things like that. Kinda. I feel like I feel like I won't <laughs> yeah. I feel like I won't just because I, I like self motivation has never been the issue. Yeah. The issue's always been oh resources. Yeah, I so I, I don't know. So let's talk a little bit about the post production process. Uh uh, just to kind of—that's why they're all here. Just to, to do a little bit of a rundown, I handled the editing of the commercial in Final Cut Pro, and Cody uh, took care of the color grade. Uh, in Shout DaVinci. out Final Cut Pro. <laughs> yeah, uh, I also did uh, use this a little loosely. The sound design—we had a few sound effects that we had to work in. Um, uh, things like the shower curtain opening, a crackling fire. Um, like wind blowing outside to signify winter and the isolation of the North Pole. Uh, the television, we had to record like a voiceover with some like local newscast. actors yeah. that was like a morning show newscast kind of thing to fill in some more of the given circumstances for the audience. Uh, you know, wild sounds like getting the razor, you know, um, the razor going off. So those things had to be sound designed a little bit and kind of layered and, and, and whatnot. And then Kyle Ranney, who was a filmmaker on the Baldwin Toys. He handled production sound. He handled the mix uh, in post-production. And I think, and I don't know for sure, but I don't know if Kyle used Pro Tools or Adobe Audition. Um, uh, maybe we'll have to just get with him to clarify that, but uh, he handled the mix on that. So in the edit process, I had all the footage and I put together my first cut of it. You know, we had Alex's script. Obviously I was there. There's not a ton of shots to this. I think there were I don't know, eight or 12, eight to 12 shots total yeah. for the whole thing. Maybe not even that much. And, that, and also just a, go into a project with that mindset. Like you shouldn't yeah. have. Right. Yeah. I, a lot of people don't quite use that workflow when they're creating stuff. It's just go and sh if the, the more focused you can be when you're going into the edit, that's how the process right. should look. And I, I know like uh, probably the projects that you feel other than the ones where you just took a heap of whatever and turned it into something beautiful, yep. which I'm sure that has its own merit. And that's the bulk of the work that I've yeah. done. It's but a isn't pile it, of like, footage. Which, which do you prefer? It is it that or is it like 
here's your storyboard. And I know like that's the less creative, but we, I mean, we did do like the sound design and things like that. There were other aspects, but I, I'm curious, like that's not me. I think what I like is I like the process where things are written and figured out ahead of time. That doesn't mean that you're on rails in post-production that things don't change. You know, they talk right. editing being like the, the real making of the film or the rewriting right. of it, but just going somewhere and shooting a huge pile of footage uh, especially if it's like a marketing piece and then you're trying to force footage that maybe you didn't know what it was actually going to be used for and you're trying to force and you're basically conceiving of the video in post-production versus conceiving of it ahead of time working with what you have to to um, these these like massive films when they're talking about spending hours in editing they're not spending hours figuring out what the story is going to be they're right. spending hours figuring out Okay, if I hold on this reaction shot for an extra second before I cut to this over the shoulder of the secondary character, then how does that make me feel emotionally compared to this? And that's that's the nuts and bolts of filmmaking. They're not trying to figure out like what's the sequence of the, some of them are, but well, most even, of the best even, ones are. Even something where it's you know this emotional beat just isn't resonating the way that I thought it would on the page, and then with what I got in coverage of the day, it's just not translating the way I thought it would. Yeah. So how do I either change the meaning, enhance it with a pickup or an insert shot or something, ways to get you closer to what your vision was? Uh, sometimes looping dialogue, um, you know, having cutting to a shot where nobody's visibly speaking and putting in a line of dialogue that just kind of comes out of nowhere. Background, you, you, yeah, some atmosphere to it, or I me, mean, all of probably just to cut the cut the shots together, about thirty minutes maybe in final cut to um, to actually put the the shots on a timeline, tighten things up, and then I spent more time putting the music track in, getting the sound effects. I actually. Um, to try to save budget a little bit, I did some of the sound effects myself. And Alex might be surprised by this, but these curtains in here, they go like this. I took my iPhone yep. <laughs> and used the voice memo app and opened the curtains a bunch of times until I had a take that I liked. And I worked those sound effects into the edit and did just a couple basic sound things, like maybe muffled it a little bit, um, increased the treble and tweaked it just a little bit to make it so it felt like it was something from in the scene. And I believe that yeah. that, that at least that sound effect specifically, we never went out and sourced uh, an actual sound effect from a library. Part of why I recorded it myself was because I went to this, I go to this website called prosoundeffects.com and every time I've ever needed a sound effect that I couldn't find in other ways, they always have it. Yeah. And so I was searching for like shower curtain, I mean everything I could think couldn't of find. and I could not find that. Well, here's the like, <laughs> if you're, if you're, if you have sound effects and you're, this isn't, I don't want to spend too much time talking, we're losing all the viewers right now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, when you have a good sound effect that, so people reuse sound effects That's yeah. the, and you'll hear the same thing over and over. Yep. So sometimes if you have a sound effect that's pretty like in, in your audience's face, it's good to do that yourself mm -hmm. because then it's, it doesn't sound familiar. Right. Or maybe, maybe the intention is to get a familiar sound when in that case you would, yeah. you would obviously do that. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's good to have something that's novel, especially, yeah, take your iPhone. Yep. Nobody would have known that if you didn't. So, so I've given away the <laughs> secrets, Matt. <laughs> so, so I put the first cut together and I think, um, uh, you know, Cody and I watched it and we were just trying to work through what some of the, maybe some of the struggles might be for the audience to understand certain things about the story. And I think Cody and I went to a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to say negative, but we went to, oh, there's a missed opportunity or this shot doesn't quite communicate clearly, whatever. And then that was brought to Alex and he hadn't seen a cut of it yet. And I think you got a little... Uh, just a slight sense of, of being defeated that we were coming at you with stuff that maybe we didn't get that was good enough or uh, it wasn't communicating what we thought it needed to communicate. And then you came in, and I distinctly remember this, you came in and watched the edit, and he just got so excited because yeah. it was way better than what his imagination had done to him with just us having a little bit of a, oh, man, I wish it would have been more like this or this shot was a little clearer. And so he got super pumped and you were giving me notes and, oh, tighten this up, cut a couple frames, slip that edit a little bit. And you did a great job taking what I had put yeah. together and really fine tuning it. A couple things that I missed, there was like, 
I forget what it was, but from one shot to another, it wasn't like perfectly continuous. There was an object in frame, I think, for both shots. I don't remember exactly what it was, but um, we adjusted that. Um, we even did like a little uh, fake push in yeah. at the beginning of a shot before we dollied up, and that was all at your direction. And yeah. you really added some very fine details to the edit to bring it out. Yeah. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, this is how it should be. Yeah. This is how it is to collaborate with someone that sets their ego at the door and takes what you brought to it. Um, you know, you're not the one carrying the vision, but you're trying to kind of yeah. go with what he has, but then also using your judgment to say, you know, this is how I think it should be. Well, with how they were describing it to me, I thought we'd like left the lens cap on <laughs> for like the entire video. Like, yeah. So, and that's uh, not a good thing to do, by the <laughs> way, uh, to your to your director. I feel like it almost like ended up being a good thing. Yeah. Um, not to say that anybody should do this, but because our reaction was sort of a little bit down. Um, after we looked at uh, the rough cut of the film, um, you know that's 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 not something that's very pleasant to do to your director. You know, again, we're there to serve his vision, and we're not there to you know um, to sugarcoat anything. If we feel like something is missing or off, or we need to really repair something, whatever whatever it might be, but um, it ended up working out for us. Okay, I think yeah. with our trust, it's 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 uh, it's okay to have that dynamic, but. Uh, yeah, you just came in and you were so pumped, man. It was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's. I think that's just to piggy off of that a little bit. Like, it's good to have people that you trust and can you can hold each other accountable. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's not like such a negative thing that you guys are like, oh, it's just in da 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 da. Because I mean, I, I think all of us are equally comfortable with criticizing the other people, but it's not coming from a place of like, oh, this sucks. You suck. It's yeah. like well, have you thought about it like this? Right. Or have you thought about it like this? And that's the only way that you're going to make any progress because you're never going to be as good as you yeah. <laughs> as you want to be. So we got picture lock fairly quickly after that. And I think we had time-wise, it was a little bit of time because I had some client work that I was doing and we couldn't just quite get it locked in. But we um, sent off the edit to Cody, exporting an XML, and got the edit to Cody so he could take it into DaVinci. Um, and then... Uh, start grading it. So he and Alex worked on the grading process and put together the final look of the film. Um, Cody might speak a, a little bit more about that at some point, but um, got the color grade done and then we mastered out of DaVinci. So, you know, Kyle's mix came to Cody. Everything that we kicked out came out of DaVinci on Cody's end. And from there, we, we tried contacting Gillette to um, uh, make a connection with them to see if there was any feedback, any interest, any thoughts on the spec, and we didn't hear back. So we waited a little while, you know, kind of came up with a game plan for how we wanted to get it out in the world yeah. and decided, you know, let's do a YouTube video where we talk about the process and debut it for all of you. Yeah, so. let some other people learn from the experience. Yeah. And I might, it might be worth putting on like a reel or something, take that yeah. opening sequence out. And <laughs> yeah, and if you, and yeah. if, and if you certainly you know decide that you want to re-edit it, we of course archive all of our projects. I keep every everything forever. Yep. So if he ever wanted to revisit it, whether it was soon or later, Maybe we'll, um, re we'll revisit this in twenty years. <laughs> uh, you know, with Cody being in the mix, it can be a little complicated because if you go back to edit, then you have to kick things back out to Cody to apply the grade to that new version. Um, but uh, it's certainly something that could be done to to do another another round of edits. That Cody guy's hard to work with. Yeah, he gets really upset when you have to come back in with a new new version. Mm. I did want to mention too, uh, just on the filming side again. You know, we talked about the stuff that we used in post production, but this was all shot on the C three hundred Mark II, and we didn't use like an external recorder or anything like that. And then we used Cody's set of vintage uh, photo lenses, photo primes. And those are Nikon photo primes, right, Cody? And I think we were mostly using a 24, yeah. uh, 50, and maybe 50, the 85? I don't think we used the 85 in the what, for the final shot. What or, did we do? What lens did we, we do? We on did the, have an 85 for the close-up, but I think we, we... So I think we used two lenses. And yeah. the intention the whole time was... The 50 and the 28, right? 24. Yeah. So those were the two we had from the beginning, kind of. Yep. So we picked those out. We'd done lens tests on those probably year prior. At that. And that was 
doing lens tests for the yeah, short film for the that short, really yeah. got coveted. And um, so we like the, the look of the lenses because they're pretty soft. And we knew that we were going to try to create the steamed up yeah. like restroom or bathroom or whatever. And, Did we um, use any filters on the lenses? Did we use a 1 8 black promist? Uh, 1 8 black promist. Yeah, I mean, it just gave it a really nice. I'm not going to say like an analog quality, but it just it softens everything up a little mm -hmm. bit, and especially when you're using it in unison with some some steam, and then we'd steam the mirror, a lot of texture, and um, mix the lighting a bit, so yeah. you had um, daylight and tungsten. Back. Right, and it, it, when you mix the color balance of the lights and you mix the the textures of the room, it I, th I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then did you do any kind of like film emulation or anything with it in the color grade with Cody? I don't know. Or grain, did you add any grain? We may have added a bit. A bit of grain. Um, but yeah, for the most part, kept it simple. At the end of the day, it was still a commercial piece, right? right? So you don't, I mean, if there's a reason to shoot it on celluloid, then you mm -hmm. would maybe do that. But there's no, Gillette has a look and we yeah. wanted to match that look. Their look is typically low contrast, mm -hmm. um, pretty, pretty um, kind of bathroom misty. Yeah. That, that's Gillette's look. And then everything else is crisp and clean. Yep. And that's kind of what we wanted to, to emulate. Yeah. And I think maybe that's part of why the first scene doesn't look good because it just doesn't fit with the... Well, in the first shot, just so everyone knows, we unfortunately were not able to go to uh, a North Pole cabin and get an aerial or a techno crane yeah. out and film the exterior of, of, a, of a house. So we did purchase... Uh, a stock footage shot um, yeah. for the opening shot. It was color graded. Cody did a great job, you know, grading it to Don't fit the vibe it, yeah. of the interior stuff. But that was uh, was stock footage. Yeah. So for a final piece, like final end book on the chapter, yeah, I think you take out that that entire opening yeah. sequence, and I think it's a stronger piece. But yeah, I mean, the the whole post production process was pretty pretty seamless. Yeah. And I think that's a, that was good for us to find out. Yeah. Um, cause we've worked together. That was the first time we'd worked together, all three of us in post on, I mean, a little bit on the bald one, yeah. but less to a less extent, it was more you yeah. taking the reins. And I think it was good and bad. It was good because it was a great experience, bad because like, <laughs> it's hard to find that elsewhere. So it's like, oh, well, yeah. So just to wrap up, um, Tell me, and, and uh, I, I want the audience to know sort of what what your goals are, what your plan is, and how this spec commercial fit into what you are trying to achieve as a filmmaker. Yeah, you know what is the what's the plan, uh, big picture for you? What are you trying to accomplish? Um, I just want to make movies, man. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I just want to make things that I care about, and I think ultimately be able to. The goal isn't to sustain myself, but the goal is to be able to do what I care about, and I want to do that full time with all of my efforts. I mean, I, and not where I'm beholden to somebody else's vision. I know how selfish that sounds. <laughs> I know that you have a collaborative spirit, and you want to work with people whom you trust to help you achieve your vision, um, and that you subscribe to the idea, sort of, you know, the best idea wins. Yeah. Um, when we're all talking, hashing out stories, you know, whatever. And we've experienced that developing uh, your new short film that you're working on. Yeah. Um, and that's the next project that we foresee getting involved in. And, and, and we're, again, we're in development now. Alex has written the script. We're working with um, an actor and um, co-writing this together to uh, get it ready for him to direct. And then I think we'll do something very similar. Cody DPing, uh, I'll handle editing, and obviously yeah. with your input as the director. And obviously, if if anybody out there is like, oh, I just really want to give these guys a lot of money <laughs> to to do these projects, then you should call me. <laughs> My number's in the description. Yeah. Was well, you got your Venmo and your PayPal info down yeah. in the, down in the description? Well, I'll sign a contract. I'm not <laughs> So that's what the, the, the goal is as far as uh, you know where Alex wants to be. The last thing I want to ask is any key takeaways or things that you would want to communicate to the viewers that have watched us go from camera testing this to the behind the scenes footage to actually making the spec, they've seen it. We realize that it, um, you know, it was something that we have that we can use, but it 
ultimately wasn't something that Gillette picked up, and I guess we still have yet to see if anything happens of it having after having released it on the internet. But and what are what are your uh, what are your takeaways from this whole process? Don't be afraid to call yourself out on your mistakes. Don't uh, don't be afraid to kill your darlings when it, like if you if you you need to identify or at least try to be to identify why you like something. And if that answer is not because it serves the purpose that is trying to be, or it serves the idea that's trying to be whatever. Um, does it serve you or does it serve yeah. the story? Yeah, does it serve you or does it serve the story? That's a good way to put it. And yeah, I said idea, like I don't, anyways. <laughs> um, and yeah, so don't don't be afraid to, to cut the things that that don't serve the purpose of what you're doing. And um, don't be afraid to just always try to be as true to yourself as you can. Because if you're not, then that's going to, your future self's always going to be able to tell. Yeah, right. And um, if you if you stay, if you continue to kind of walk that line, then no matter what you do, you'll always be able to look back on it and be, be happy with what you made. Because yeah. you weren't trying to do anything you weren't trying to impress anybody other than yourself so that's all i got cool man <laughs> well i think that's going to do it uh thanks for joining us alex and talking about the process of making the spec it was a really great experience working on it with you and i'm glad we got to share it with all of you definitely hit us up in the comments if you have any questions about the process questions for alex um, if there's anything that we can talk about with regards to making it uh, please let us know Check out Alex. Uh, I've got a link to his channel down below. He, again, has a really great channel with um, street photography, uh, different thoughts, uh, being an artist and on creation and all the things that he's interested in. So I would definitely encourage you to go check that out. So I think that's going to do it, everyone. Thanks for watching. Uh, until the next one, I will see you soon.